You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. And Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, because he has looked with favour on the humble condition of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is holy. Thanks for having me, guys. Wow, I'm so encouraged by being with you today. I I can just tell this is an amazing church. And uh, I've been visiting a lot of churches in the last year because God's put a real call on my life to lead um, to lead communities through renewal and um, to support pastors and church leaders in renewal work. And um, what I basically mean by that is, um, you know, what I can really sense here is that there are people here who just really hunger to see God move and to see... Uh, to see heaven at work in the ordinary. And I don't mean necessarily, uh, you know, miracles, healings, even though, yes, they're wonderful. Uh, I mean, you know, when you have those stories that you know only happen because of God, and you know you're walking um, in a life that could only be possible with God, and, and I can feel a hunger in the room for that kind of life. And... Um, and that's what I hunger for as well. So I'm so encouraged to be here with you and to share with you today. And I just, I really feel that I want to speak an encouragement to you that walking in here fresh as a newcomer, this church just is such a special place that is getting so many things right. And Jonathan is doing an amazing job. I just feel the pride of the Father over him for doing such an amazing job. So, um, all right, we're going to talk about, well, I'm going to talk about, <laughs> but um, we're going to share together as we think and pray and as we, um, we can share and pray with each other at the end as well about uh, the Magnificat, this moment in uh, the story of the incarnation and God bringing heaven to earth and uh, the very first steps for that being possible. I wonder where you go when you feel like your faith is pressed hard and tired and run down. Or who do you go to when you're feeling like that? It's amazing that I'm sharing about this today because I had a week where my faith was hard pressed. I just came off the back of running a retreat last weekend where God just moved and people's lives were chained, amazing, changed, chained, changed, <laughs> amazing, amazing. And then um, 
and then throughout this week, I just a series of discouraging things happened. And uh, I felt like that experience that you have where your faith feels tired and pressed. And sometimes when you're walking in uh, the Lord's will for your life and you're walking out the vision that God's put on your life as an individual but also as a group, you can hit these moments where it just feels so slow. And do you ever feel like, oh, are we still here? Oh, am I still here? Oh, I thought I was further down the road. Where it feels slow, where it feels, am I crazy? Is this crazy? Is God really in this? And sometimes it feels lonely as well. Well, I think Mary would have been experiencing all these things because she's walking with the Lord in something pretty hard to believe for others, right? Pretty crazy. And for others to see the evidence that what God is doing in and through her is real and true, that was not gonna happen straight away. In fact, for most of her life, that wouldn't be seen and felt by most of the world. So she goes to her cousin and she spends time with Elizabeth. It's a moment of going to the people and the place that I need to be in this moment to keep walking this out with the Lord. So I wonder where you go when your faith feels pressed. Elizabeth says this to Mary in verse 45, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Blessed are you because you have believed what God has shown you and you are stepping it out in faith and you are living it out. Even though a lot of people aren't gonna get it yet, a lot of people aren't gonna believe you and you probably will have moments where you won't even believe you. And this um, moves into this, um, this beautiful song of giving glory to God and praise to God, like a heartfelt glory to God, which we know as the Magnificat, in which Mary praises God for what he has already done for the nation of Israel, for his people, because she has this pregnancy. So God has already done, God has already fulfilled a promise, and she speaks about it in the past tense of what God has achieved and done for his people and for her even though it's just beginning. She believes not only that God is going to fulfill the promises that he's made for his people and for the world, but she believes that God has uniquely called her to be an instrument in that work. That can be hard to believe. And because of this, all generations will call her blessed. It is hard sometimes to keep believing and leaning into the miraculous when it feels slow. And we might just move to the next screen. When it feels slow, when it feels like this isn't gonna be seen and felt by a lot of people for a long time, even though we know this is from God. When it feels crazy, a virgin birth, an angel appearing to you, it does sound a little bit crazy, doesn't it? And I reckon some things, even if you've experienced a miraculous work of God like that, 
you still question times whether, you really, whether it really was what you thought. I don't know if that happened to Mary, but I reckon it might have. Here's the kicker. It feels lonely. Who was going to be in this with her? I think it would have felt slow for Mary. I think it would have felt pretty crazy. And I think it would have felt at times lonely. So what I want to lean into today are the three things she does as she's stepping this out that are kind of like three antidotes to these experiences when we feel that it's slow, when we feel maybe we're a bit mad, maybe we're not going to see what we think, what we think God's shown us. Uh, we lean into scripture. That's the first thing Mary does, which we really see in the Magnificat. We lean into confirming signs and we lean into the friends who believe us. So that's what I want to move through with us today is how can you lean into scripture? How can you lean into the confirming signs? And how can you lean into the friends that God's brought to journey with you? So first one, we're going to start with this scripture. Um, I grew up in church, but I didn't have an entirely good experience of church as a child. In fact, uh, my church and my home were very unsafe places. And so um, I always kind of believed in God, but I don't, I don't remember really deciding to follow Jesus until I was 14. And I remember at the age of 14, I mean, I wonder how this happened for you. Maybe you were older, maybe you were younger. I, um, I was really led to believe that the gospel is true, that Jesus' death and resurrection is true and actually will save the world. I started to believe that at about the age of 14, and it was really Mary that got me there, actually. Um, it's interesting to, to sort of reflect on Mary's place in salvation history, but I want to show you this picture. Um, it's called the Pieta, this sculpture. I don't know, have you seen this before? It's actually housed, or used to be housed in the Vatican. It's by Michelangelo. And I remember seeing this image when I was young, and, <clears throat> and it actually helped me believe. And also the moment where Jesus, uh, sorry, in John's Gospel, where Mary is standing before the cross, and she's there present at the cross, and, and thinking about her experience as a mother of being in the rain and the filth and the devastation and the shame of that moment. And I remember thinking, it was simple as this, no theology degree, nothing. I just remember thinking at 14 years of age, if God came into the world as a man, this is probably how it would end. This is what we'd do. We would want to push God out. And I remember thinking about Jesus' dead body and thinking, he did it anyway, knowing that. And seeing the anguish of a mother in that moment, I understood this love, actually this love will change the world. It's true. And it's because I don't know that I fully understood the sufficiency of Christ to save, the um, theology of the cross. I don't know that I understood the transaction, that there was a debt for my sin that needed to be paid. I believe that now, but at that time, all I understood was um, 
that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So it wasn't necessarily that I understood yet the sufficiency of Christ, the uniqueness of Christ, his holiness, his authority to be the sufficient sacrifice, but I understood that he chose love. And I understood that in doing that, he made himself vulnerable even to the relationships of friendships and family, even to the the vulnerability of having his mother stay with him through that moment and through that experience. So, why did I tell that story? (laughs) Because, that's right. Okay, so this is how I came to faith. But I didn't really have uh, experiences of God that started to make it real now until further down. And so what happened, um, I told my family that I wanted to give my life to Jesus. I didn't really know what that involved. (laughs) Really found out later. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Still finding out. Um, Yeah, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's like, hey, the deal is sealed. This is not your decision. We're doing this. Gosh, I was 14. I didn't know what this was going to be. So, um, so I was confirmed. I don't know if you've had any confirmation services here, but that's what you do in the Anglican Church, right? So I had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. I wasn't expecting that because nobody had taught me about the Holy Spirit. And, um, and when I was confirmed and the bishop prayed for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Well, I was, I guess. And what happened, I actually physically heard this rushing wind move all around me. That's only happened once. I haven't experienced that since. But it was very clear and loud. And I knew I wasn't imagining it because I wasn't looking for that kind of an experience. And then what happened to me later was that once I was at Bible college and I started to study the scripture properly, because I was hopeless before that, (laughs) didn't know much about the Bible, honestly. Um, And I read uh, about the story in Acts chapter two and the coming of the spirit. And I read about this loud rushing wind moving through the room. And I remember thinking, totally heard that. (laughs) Like, I know what that is. And I remember it kind of dawned on me, this happened. Like, that's just what, that just historically happened, I reckon, because I know what that sounds like. Simple. So I started to connect the dots between my experience and the stories in Scripture and the big story of God in Scripture. And this is what I'm um, leading to. Mary does the same. Okay, if a, if a green little gremlin man had jumped out of a bush and said, Mary, <laughs> you're going to get pregnant and... You're gonna have a half alien baby that's gonna like save Israel from the Romans. That probably would be a hallucination or something not real, right? But Mary sees all of the links in what this angel who appears and says to her, she sees the links to the story of the people of God and the promises of God because she knows the scripture. And it helps, it helps to know that it's real. It helps to know you're not crazy when you know the word, you know the story. And it's not about memorizing the whole thing or knowing all the chapters and verses, it's just knowing the story. 
and the themes and the promises behind it. So um, let's just have a look at the next part. I'll just move through what Mary knew. She knew that favor with God was a thing. When the angel said, you've found favor with God. Well, Moses found favor with God. Abraham found favor with God. Noah found favor with God. The people of Israel are favored by God. They're chosen ones. That's familiar. She knew the Holy Spirit overshadowing was a thing. So when the angel prompt says, you'll be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, she would have made the link that when the presence of God overshadowed the tent of meeting um, in the time in the wilderness, that that was, that was a thing God does. The presence of God overshadows and fills. So she would have understood if God's going to become present, that's a covering and overshadowing that God's going to do. She would have known about a high priest who was promised to come to save Israel. And she would have known about the promise that this would be an anointed one, one smeared with the presence of God, the Messiah, who would descend from David. She would have had knowledge of these things. So it's leaning into the scripture. So what I want to do is encourage this. It helps if you know the stories by just dipping in every day, coming to church every week, or listening to a sermon every week. Even if you're not paying full attention, which some of you probably aren't right now, you've probably got 10 other things on your mind. It's all right, that's okay. But just the discipline of being soaked in the scripture, it helps when we get tired and when it feels slow. And it would have felt slow, but Mary would know from her knowledge of scripture that that's kind of how God rolls. And this is what I wanted to share. When we think about it, it was 1,800 years at this moment in history since Abraham's call by God to become the father of a nation. It's been 1,000 years since King David prophesied about the coming of the Messiah. And Mary has been born into a people who are occupied, and it's been 63 years of occupation by this stage by the Romans. So the promises of God would start to feel a little bit shaky, a little bit slow, yeah? And when it's, and God, God can be slow. Seems feel slow. Thousand years, it's a long time to wait. And because of that slowness, it's really easy if we don't keep pressing into the word to start to kind of become a bit blah, a bit lukewarm about whether we really believe this stuff. I mean, it's only natural. It doesn't mean you're, you have weak faith, but it's only natural to start thinking, well, is God really going to do these things? Did God really do these things? Are they metaphors? Is it half true? Did it really happen historically? Did it half happen? Are they fables? Are they myths? Is it a bit of both? and just start to live our life and our faith like, well, the ideas of it are true, but we don't really move in expectancy that there's a story unfolding and God's gonna do what he said. So daily, weekly, plus one, I reckon that's my suggestion, take it or leave, but add something else in as well. There's a really great app that I like to look at called The Bible Project, and it just is great for giving an overview of the Bible, an overview of the stories of God and the promises of God. 
um, in a quick video format. And I was going to show it, but I think we'll leave it. But I'll, what I'll do, I'll flick it to Jonathan later. So if you want to follow up on that. But just add something. Add a podcast or something into your week that just gives you a little bit more. Lean into scripture. All right, the next thing, because I don't think it's enough to just do this, and it's not the only thing we see Mary do. The next thing she does is she also leans into these confirming signs. And there are always confirming signs. God doesn't just leave Mary with a promise and then the scripture. He gives her multiple affirmations and confirmations that it's real, she's not crazy. I guess the first one is she was actually pregnant without being married and without having sex. So that's a pretty confirming sign. (laughs) Um, She would know that, but other people wouldn't necessarily know that, but she would know. But there were more signs as well. And what do we see in this text today? Even before we get to shepherds and angels and wise ones arriving with gifts and Simeon's prophecy and Anna's prophecy and all those confirming signs, um, we have some early ones as well. So if we just move to the next screen. At this point, Mary has experienced a visitation by an angel. She's experienced a miraculous pregnancy. So she knows at this point that she's pregnant in a way that just is out of the ordinary, that the promise that she'd be overshadowed by the Spirit of God seems to have happened. She also has this word of knowledge, uh, which is, you know, when God shows you something you couldn't know naturally, that if she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, she's going to find Elizabeth pregnant in her old age, even though Elizabeth and Zachariah had long given up on having children. And lo and behold, it's true. So when she goes and tests it, that word was true. That helps to build confidence that this really is from God. What happens when she arrives is that Elizabeth looks after her and takes her under her wing for a while. And um, there's this beautiful moment where it says that John the Baptist leapt in her womb at the presence of Mary walking in the room. In a way, that's a confirming sign as well. Little John, he's prophesying before he's even born and helping confirm, yes, 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 yes. You're not crazy, this is really happening. And Elizabeth shares that, and then Elizabeth prophesies. And she actually uses the phrase, uh, you are the mother of my Lord. Now where would she get that from? That's a new thing that God's doing. But she knew. So those words of prophecy. Now if you just had one, you might think, well, that could be a crazy person. But when there are multiple confirming signs, they add up. And the experience that we have of God, which is recorded right through the scripture, is that God is a nice guy. He knows that when things are moving outside of the norm, that we're going to need a few reminders and a few confirming signs to get on board with that. That's only fair. Yeah? It's not like God goes, well, I told you it in the Bible, so now you just believe it and tests us. I mean, we do get tested, but not like that. Even Mary, who had this great faith and was favoured by God, she has multiple confirming signs. Because God loves her. And God knows she's going to need that. She's going to need that confidence. My experience is that when something is of God, there are always multiple confirming signs. And there are always multiple people 
who will be brothers and sisters in Christ who will say, yes, I see that. And um, so important. So we lean into those by telling them, recording them, going back to them, remembering them. Sometimes it's easy to forget in the busyness of life. Now, what was I going to tell you, an example from my life? Oh, yeah, here's one. I mean, I could tell you a few, but um, I'll tell you a little bit about what happened with me in St. Francis. The reason I'm running the Francis Project, which is all based on the way that Francis of Assisi and the early Franciscans followed Jesus, really, and lived the scripture. What happened to me is that I, um, I was given this little cross when I was six years old, and um, it was just given to me by a family friend, and it was when I was um, in school, and we were, I was in a Catholic school, and we were meant to make our first reconciliation, so um, it was kind of a gift to mark that moment. So it's where, um, in the Catholic Church, you confess your sins to a priest for the first time. At that age, I didn't think I had any sins to confess, but, you know, got plenty now, so that's fine. Um, and so I had this little cross, and I always kept it in my room. And I remember um, I used to put it above my desk. And when I was studying, because I love, when I was in year 11, 12, I studied very hard. I've always been, like, I'm super into study, still studying now. And I remember talking to Jesus while I was studying, and I would just look at this cross, and I would say to him, I want you to have my life. I want you to use my life for whatever you want it to be. Everything that I'm doing, any talents I have, I want you to use them for whatever you want them for. And this is all for you. I want to give you my year 12 result, and just it's for you, whatever you want to do with it, Lord. And I used to just talk to him about my my life and my worries and my feelings and my relationships and my breakups and everything that was going on in my life. And um, what happened is that in parallel, when I was 12 years old, I stumbled across this book about the life of St. Francis that absolutely gripped my heart. It was a little move of God, well, maybe a big move of God. I didn't know at the age of 12 I was going to do a PhD about it and spend the rest of my life teaching about it and, and building ministry around it. But I was fascinated by this moment in Francis' life where Jesus said to him, can't you see my church is in ruins? Rebuild my church. And um, my little 12-year-old heart just thought that is so incredible that God wants to rebuild his church. And I was fascinated by it. I had this dream that I wanted to go to Assisi one day and see the original site where this had happened. And I remember asking God, one day when I'm older, can I please fly to Italy and go to Assisi and sit in the actual room where this happened? And at that age, I'd never been on a flight, you know, like it was a huge thing to even go overseas, felt like such a pipe dream to me. Um, so I've been several times now. Uh, so God really made good on that one. But I remember um, when I was about 26, I went for the first time with my husband and my husband speaks fluent Italian. So that was a bonus. So that really helped get with getting around. And we were able to find the original church, San Damiano, where this experience had happened, which a lot of tourists don't know about because it's kind of, it's a very simple little room, actually. It's a little bit tucked away. It's on the side of him. And a lot of people don't know about this part of Francis' story. Anyway, we went there. And then we found out that the original cross um, had been moved to a different site. So we went to the different site. And when I walked in to see um, the original cross that was hanging when, when Francis had this encounter with Jesus, rebuild my church, what do you think? 
It was the exact same cross I've always had in my bedroom my whole life and that I've carried everywhere. And every time I moved house and every time life changed and I needed to shift, it was always the first thing I put up in the room. Little confirming signs. Um, a few years ago, we were in a church that had no money and um, serving there and we really believed God wanted us there. And, uh, but we just didn't quite know how we were gonna pay the bills and keep doing this ministry. And so, um, the diocese found a house that nobody was living in that belonged to a different church that we could move into. And we just had our daughter, she's eight now, and um, she was a baby. And I remember looking at the house and having a little cry because I remember thinking, yeah, Jonathan knows exactly why. It wasn't in the best shape. And I, and I remember thinking, oh my God, we can't live here. This house is disgusting and freezing and horrible. And I had this whole probably over, overly hormonal mother guilt thing going on. Like, I, like, you know, we've done a lot of years of just living hand to mouth, but now we have a child and I can't do this to our child and I'm the worst mother in the world. <laughs> kind of, I had one of those kind of days about it. Um, but I remember we walked through the rooms and then I came to the very back room of the house and there was just a little San Damiano cross hanging on the wall. I thought I was fine. <laughs> we'll live here. And we did. And we fixed it up and we made it live and it was fine. And we were able to stay and serve in that church. So it was actually really God's provision. So lean into confirming signs because even though all these things have happened in my life that are just so unmistakably God when you add them all up I still have days where I think maybe I've just imagined this whole thing maybe I'm just crazy what if none of it's true what if I'm just wasting my life this is going to fail this isn't going to fail embarrassingly badly this is going nowhere fast you know so I have to remember write it down Go back and read over it. Keep a journal. I don't know, whatever you do. And tell, tell your friends. Because even me telling you that today, right? That's just, that's just getting things back into focus. So Mary leans into the confirming signs. She leans into scripture. And the last one, she leans into the friends who believe her. Yeah. So I reckon a lot of people would not have believed Mary's version of the story maybe for her whole life, but definitely at the start. And uh, it's not really recorded, all of the details about that, but I reckon that she would have had friends and family that would have pushed her away, maybe in subtle ways, maybe in overt ways. And that, I reckon, for me personally, I don't know about you, for me personally, that is the hardest part of being a Christian. And it's the hardest part of walking with the Lord is when people walk or just subtly shut you out uh, because they don't want to go with you or because it's hard for them to believe or because there are things they don't want to look at or deal with that they might have to if they got closer to the Lord. Whatever it is, the relationships that don't keep tracking in a way that they can stay close because when you're walking with the Lord, it gets hard for people. I'm getting blank looks, but does anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but God always brings people who will. 
one or two or three at least in my experience. And when I look at this story and I look at Mary going to stay with Elizabeth and Zachariah and being with this cousin who believes her because she's experienced a confirming sign as well, I think that would have been so critical for her, that time that she spent in their home, of feeling safe and supported and loved. And Joseph gets on board because he has a dream. That's in Matthew's Gospel. But how amazing would it have been for her to have this man that she was engaged to say to her, I've had a dream, I've seen it, I believe you. And I believe you even though other people aren't going to. And I'll stay with you and walk with you through this even if we both look like crazy people. Amazing. So who are your people? Your one or two or three really reliable friends who believe you and who will be there for you and stay with you. Leaning into those relationships and prioritising them, I think, in my experience anyway, is, is absolutely critical. I'll share with you one last story. Part of what God's done through the Francis Project that I've been developing as the team's um, been growing around me is, uh, is really create a unique space that brings people from different denominations together, Catholic and non-Catholic. That's a whole other story I don't have time to tell. But reconnecting with Catholic Church and creating a space for Catholics and non-Catholics to learn about renewal together uh, has been part of God's vision for it. And it's been amazing, but it's also been rocky at times. And what happened uh, about three years ago, a bit more than three years ago now, um, is that as I was meeting people and I was starting to connect with leaders from all different churches who were interested in this, and I was starting to connect with Catholic priests and sisters and people in religious life and Franciscans, um, I became really good friends with someone who um, then when the project started to really kind of kick off, actually walked away from the friendship. Um, and it was really heartbreaking. Uh, it was one of those times in my life that was so testing for my faith because I was absolutely devastated and so deeply heartbroken. And it was like I just, for a while there, I was honestly walking with the Lord in faith even though I didn't even want to because I wanted that friendship more than the path God had for me in my emotions, that's how I felt. So I just had to hold the Lord's hand every day, cry a bit every day, keep going to work, and somehow trust that God's got it, he knows it's gonna be all right. And one day I was sitting in my lounge room, um, maybe a few months after this had happened, and having to cry about it again, and, um, and I just felt God's presence all around me. And I felt him say, this person's not going with you. But there will be people who will. And there will be brothers and sisters who will go with you and some of them will be Catholic and some of them will be not Catholic. And, um, and I remember I was in the lounge room and sometimes I just talk out loud to God, especially when I'm annoyed at him. So I was like, but God, 
how do I know who these people are going to be? And how will I know when they come along? Because I thought the last one was going to work out, and I was wrong. And, um, and I was holding my mobile phone for some reason, and I sensed this word, he's about to call you. And then my phone started ringing in my hand, and it was Bishop Mark, he's a Catholic bishop of Wagga Wagga. <laughs> he's now on the board. He's been journeying with us for a couple of years. I'd met him twice, didn't know him from a bar of soap, and he said, oh, hi Heather, it's uh, Bishop Mark here, and uh, yes, I just wanted to see how you're going and um, how the Francis Project is coming along, and um, just wanted to encourage you. I said, really, is that right? <laughs> and what I have to do is, um, in those moments, is stop myself from saying, well, God just told me that we're going to be friends. <laughs> because um, that has to be tested, that could be wrong, but the truth is that God has brought the right people. So it's been critical when that happens to just lean into the ones that have been chosen to go with the journey and who will believe me. So let's recap. When we feel tired, when it feels slow, we lean into the story of God in the scripture. When we feel doubt that maybe we're crazy, we lean into confirming signs. When we feel lonely, because not everyone's gonna get it, we lean into the two or three that God's gonna bring, and he always does, who will believe us and go with us. So let's pray into that, shall we? Have I gone long enough? Too long, maybe, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, we thank you that you don't um, sit up in a cloud in the sky and test us and go, oh, I wonder if they'll believe even though they haven't seen, but no. You came into a woman's womb. You submitted yourself to birth and growth and learning how to talk and needing love and needing affection and needing friends, and the feeling of wanting the trust of others, and wanting to be known, and seen, and loved, and you even walked through betrayal, and um, people who you deeply loved running away, and your hour of need walking away, and betraying your trust, because you so want to be known, you want us to know you, and you want us to know that we are deeply known and loved. Would you give us the grace to seek that level of intimacy with you, even as we watch Mary go from birthing you and nursing you to standing before the cross and feeling the pierce of a mother's heartbreak? Because being with you in that moment was part of what love looked like. Help us to be renewed this morning in our resolve to keep walking in intimacy, even when we look crazy, even when it looks slow, even when it looks like it's taking forever, and even when others who we really like and really love can't be part of it or aren't ready to be part of it. Lord, help us to lean into 
what we know from your word. Help us to lean into the experiences you have given us in our life that we knew were from you and help us to lean into the people you're bringing along to be our support, our friends and our companions on the journey. I pray this blessing especially for Jonathan and his family and the team here in Caroline Springs at Red Door today. In Jesus' name, amen.